As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Fox 2 presents Hancock and Kelly. Welcome to Hancock and Kelly here on Fox 2. On the left right there is Michael Kelly. Good Morning. to see you. And on the right, it is Jonathan Prouty of Hancock and Prouty. Funny how that all ties together. It works. Good to see you. He's Good on the right. right today. Is what? Hancock on vacation? Yeah, after he, after he razzes Doesn't you all the time Doesn't he give me vacation? trouble for having yeah. a vacation? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. We'll see. Thanks, Obama. Right. And I'm John Brown. All right, the big story this week, President Trump versus the squad. As has been covered this entire week, the president got into another verbal sparring match with members of the Democratic Party. This time, it was the group of four freshman minority congresswomen who called themselves the squad. That's where the name came from. Trump tweeted out earlier on in the week for the women to go back to where they came from. He has also said that these women hate America. Trump denied what he said was racist and simply said that if someone doesn't want to be in our country, they should leave. Then the fire was stoked again at a rally when the crowd began chanting this. In case you haven't heard it or you can't tell, that is send her back. The president says he distanced himself from those chants, but it shows you this rhetoric is striking a chord with many Americans. So, all right, you're up first, Michael Kelly. You watch this week play out. And oddly enough, this would be a huge scandal story in this day and age. These last about a week and then something else happens. Well, what are your thoughts on this week? What's interesting to me is that Donald Trump has had, since he entered this race and he went after Mexicans, he's had a racist tone throughout his entire campaign. Um, and it's been escalated this week by challenging standing United States congressmen, uh, chanting. He says that he moved on quickly. You could count 15 seconds there that he sat and allowed that to play in the background. I want to put aside my personal feelings of the president and that he's a deplorable human being. But the reality is, is what are we doing? This is not good for our country. This is not good for who we are. We're a nation of immigrants. We all have somewhere we came from. And this type of rhetoric, I, I don't, it's reminiscent of some really bad times in our history for anybody who understands it, uh, world history that is. And I'm just sick over this. I, I, don't, I don't get it, it's inappropriate, it's wrong, and the silence of the Republicans in this is sickening. There have only been a few Republicans. Uh, Mitt Romney came out and he had a statement, I think it was late yesterday, early today, saying this was wrong. Uh, a lot of Republicans who are out of office have now condemned it. Republicans in office aren't saying that much right now. Well, I mean, Donald Trump himself said that he disavowed the, the chance at the rally, and I'm glad he did. I'm glad he did it from the Oval Office. I think that uh, we throw out the word racist far too often. It loses its impact, and when an actual racist comes along, we can't adequately convey the threat because we've cried, too many times. You know, in sports, he, well, go ahead. We're not crying wolf here. This is racist. He's been saying racist things since the day he was uh, nominating when he came down the escalator and said that the Mexicans are rapists and murderers and then going on and calling African countries assholes. 
and we have this, it's, it's a heightening of his rhetoric to continue to try to pretend that this man's not a racist is, is not right. He is. Well, I, I think this is why these tweets were such a huge political miscalculation, because we started out this week with these four Democratic congresswomen accusing Nancy Pelosi of being a racist. And Donald Trump could have grabbed the cop popcorn and sat back and, and watched the Democrats self-destruct. But instead, he in injected himself into the middle of it. He made himself the story, and he united the party. We should be talking about the Democratic Civil War, but instead we're having a discussion about whether Donald Trump is a racist. I mean, that does not attract moderates and, and swing voters into the Trump coalition. In sports, I love sports analogies. You talk about unforced errors costing you the game. For example... If the Cardinals try and steal second base when they have the guy on third base, and the, okay, you cost them the game. That's what a lot of Republicans are saying that Trump is doing here. He should be talking about the economy, which is strong, China, which is really failing right now. So much else he needs to talk about and tout, but then he does this and the whole message is off. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of swing voters out there who I think are willing to vote for the president because they like his policies, they, they don't particularly like him, but the economy is good, and I think the president needs to stop reminding them why they don't like him. Yeah, again. and th that's the dirty little secret that Democrats don't want to admit. This president does have a good story to tell in terms of the economy and the way things are going. Fortunately for Democrats, his narcissism gets in the way. He can't allow, he, he never not, doesn't swing at a pitch. He always is punching down. He's always getting involved. He's taken this to a place now that I think he may wind up alienating some folks who may have been in that never Trump coalition, but we're not going to be with Hillary. I think those are going to be costly votes that he's cost himself just this week alone. All right. So later in the week, the Democrats in Congress also made an unforced error. Some decided to impeach the president, at least try. It fell flat in a big way. Some House members led by Al Green voted to impeach him, but only 95 Democrats signed on to it. Most Democrats, three to two margin, voted against it, as did all the Republicans. So now those Democrats pushing this effort look weak. And if Nancy Pelosi does want to ever impeach, now Republicans can say public sentiment is on their side. Michael, this was not a smart move by these 95 Democrats say, well, we're going our own way. This is where poli politics comes in, and it can come back to bite you. Well, I guess you can say it's not a smart move, but there is a group of us in the Democratic Party who believe this president has violated the law. And we watched the Republicans via, uh, impeach a president over silly stuff. This is real stuff, instruction of justice. So I understand, you know, we keep saying, oh, the president's just feeding his base and, you know, Donald Trump is Donald Trump. These congressmen have to also talk to their base. Now, it's a problem. Nancy Pelosi, who they've painted over the last three decades of being the most liberal, is the one person who is holding the Democratic coalition together. Although this week, it's starting to fray. To me, this was the unforced error on the Democratic side because they're not listening to Pelosi. She may have a plan down the road, but some of these Democrats, 95 of them, say, no, we're doing it our own way here. Yeah, you know, 60% of the Democratic caucus in the House voted against this resolution. And uh, I think, to me, it says that the, the online activist left controls the Democratic Party. Uh, you know, say what you will about House Republicans under President uh, Obama, but uh, every time there was a um, some, you know, crazy idea to impeach him, it never came to a vote on the House floor. But he also didn't obstruct justice 10 times and, and proven in a document that we all saw. All right. And by the way, Mueller going to be in front of Congress here very Ooh. soon. As we mentioned a few weeks ago, many lawmakers on both sides of the aisle concerned about the freshman Democrats for a number of reasons. As you pointed out, Jonathan, Nancy Pelosi also been called racist by AOC for saying that she's simply giving them busy work to keep them out of the public eye. 
where it is that many Democrats behind the scenes are worried that if you de disagree with these four on anything, you'll also be labeled as a racist. Now, they're also worried that these far-left lawmakers are becoming the face of the party. So I want to point out some tweets here that Jake Tapper had from CNN this week from Democrats who wanted to air their feelings but didn't want their names mentioned. One reads, the president won this one. What the president has done is politically brilliant. Pelosi was trying to marginalize these folks, and the president has now identified the entire party with them. Other House Democrats conflicted about having to defend the squad, given things they've said and done. House Dems cited talk of supporting challengers to incumbent Dems in primaries, <clears throat> AOC's use of the word concentration camps, and anti-Semitic comments by Tlaib and Omar. Uh, this goes back to what we were talking about just a second ago, is Democrats, like Jake Tapper found out, they say, wait, we have to run races here in r districts that aren't nearly as leftist as you four. This is going to hurt us. Well, you know, I think there is uh, something to be said for that. But at the same time, you know, these four Democrats did not need Donald Trump to make them the voice of the Democratic Party. They already were. And, you know, I think uh, maybe... You know, it's smart politics in the short run uh, to tie them together, but in the long run, I think this normalizes extremism and it makes it more likely that what we consider extreme today is going to be mainstream tomorrow. Well, we witnessed yeah. that on the Republican side. And look mm -hmm. at what happened in the Republican side in this challenging of incumbent Democrats by Democrats. The Republicans did that. Guess what? They're no longer in control of the House because their rhetoric pulled them so far right. They lost the ability to even communicate in some of their own districts and surely have been losing the national narrative. It will be interesting to see how Nancy Pelosi is able to pull these folks together. But let's be clear. The face of the Democratic Party is going to be the Democratic nominee. It's not going to be some freshman House member, despite how hard the president or Fox News does it. It's just the process we go through. We are going to have a binary choice, and those will be the faces of the two-party. And I like our chances with any of the people against Donald Trump being the face of the Republicans. All right, still to come on Hancock and Kelly, the second Democratic debate coming soon. Who's going to break out and who will fade away? And if you are advising these candidates, what do you tell them to stand out on debate nights? To hear more, listen to the podcast. Just search for Hancock and Kelly. Welcome back to Hancock and Kelly. Jonathan Prouty sitting in today for John Hancock. Now in politics, if you want to see who's resonating, right, look at the money trail. And right now, five Democrats who seem to be riding high. Let's take a look at these numbers here. As you can see, there are only five people kind of out in front here. It's very small, but on the top, that's Mayor Pete. He's leading the way in the second quarter, about $25 million. He's followed by Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and Kamala Harris. Then you see that big gap right there. That's where the rest come in with about $5 million or less in the entire quarter. Now, it should be pointed out that Mike Kelly won more money in a recent golf game than about a half dozen of these candidates raised in the entire quarter. And that may be a true story, maybe a bit of a stretch, but not too far off base. Those bottom names, I don't even remember who they are. I see their last name, and I think, who are these people? Hashtag time's up. Yeah. It's going to be ending. There is an old adage in politics, no dough, no go. Mm -hmm. And we're going to start to see the separation. We're going to see... A lot of people falling off the clip after the Iowa primaries, even if they have the ability to make it. I'm not surprised with the five candidates who are at the top. They're all unique in their own way, have their own unique constituencies. I think that's where this race is. Maybe there's place for somebody else. The rest of them ought to really be starting to look about finding another job. You know, Jonathan, if people like us who cover politics and talk about politics all the time, and you're thinking, now, wait a second, who is that person again? Can you imagine being that person's team out raising money? And people are like, I don't even, who, who are you? You're running for president, really? No, it, it's tough. But, I mean, in politics, uh, 
money follows success and That's not true. vice versa. So, uh, you know, it is it is possible that one of these kind of lower tier candidates is going to have uh, a breakout moment, maybe in the next debate, and um, and they could see some fundraising success. That happened in the Republican primary in in 2016. It seemed like every week or two there was a new candidate who kind of popped up, and and uh, and Trump knocked him down. Uh, so I think you'll see that again. And all that money's got to go somewhere. That'll be the next thing to watch. Well, like we said, the debate is right around the corner. It's going to be make or break time for some of the candidates. As we know from the last uh, debate, Joe Biden needs a better performance. Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris need to continue their momentum. Bernie Sanders needs to find an audience. Beto needs not embarrass himself. And the rest just need to break through. So, okay, let's play a game here, guys. If you are advising these candidates, right, and we're really, they're all going up against Biden right now. What do you, how do you advise well, them here to break out? Because otherwise it's over. And, and that's how I see it, is it's really Biden and everybody else. I mean, Kamala Harris is the example of what one of the challengers to, to Joe Biden should be doing. Find a way to put the, the former vice president on his heels and stuttering. And that's exactly what we saw in the last debate. Joe Biden has to come forward and look presidential. He's got to quit answering the charges of these gnats that are flying around his shoulders and speak to the American people. Talk about the successes that he and Barack Obama had. Quit trying to litigate 30 years ago. Talk about your vision for the future and how you're going to implement policies in the same manner that Barack Obama did. Jonathan, I said that uh, Biden was doing his best Mizzou impersonation. You get a big lead and then you just hope nobody else catches it. <laughs> Can we run out the clock with 16 months left? He can't do that. They, they played Alabama on him and came back strong and knocked him down a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think this this debate could really be make or break for Joe Biden. If he has another uh, terrible night, I think a lot of his supporters are going to start second guessing whether he can go the distance. You know, I think Harris has the big advantage here because she's on stage with him yet again. Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders are not, so they don't have the ability to go after him when he's standing right there next to him. Interesting, too, because we have the the CNN draw here, and they it, it'd be hard to see. You'll have to look it up, but they have where everybody's going to be standing again. Once again, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren right in the middle, but on Biden on night two, Biden is right between Cory Booker and Kamala Harris. Which One of them's likely to be his VP president. It could be, but you know, when all these race issues, that's that's on purpose. I mean, don't, don't think that that's not. It's going to really showcase a debate between those three, I think. Yeah, potentially. Uh, look, uh, the, if I'm Kamala Harris, I'm thrilled that I'm on the stage with him. Cory Booker, who's almost irrelevant, may have a shot to get back into the mix. The, the, the first night is the one that's interesting to me because the only can candidates there that seem to be moving forward are Elizabeth Warren and Pete Buttigieg. And you have Bernie Sanders, who's still out there. I mean, talk about a guy who needs some new steak to sell. He's just selling reheated meat. It's the same old stuff we've heard from him, and it's not really grasping with anybody beyond who's already been okay. with him. It's funny. I'm glad you said that because I was explaining to somebody because I had uh, a little experience with Ross Perot, right? The first time he came out, everybody's like, wow, it's a fresh new voice. This guy's interesting. The second time Ross Perot ran, heard it was like, that. okay, we, we've heard that. I think that's what we're seeing with Bernie now. Everybody's heard that. Maybe Elizabeth Warren can better articulate what he's proposing here. Yeah, I mean, he has a core group of, um, you know, very strong supporters. But I think uh, last go around, most of his support was it was not because uh, of his policies. It was because he wasn't Hillary Clinton. And, you know, the Republican Party had that experience with somebody like Ron Paul. Right. The first time he ran in 2008, uh, he was kind of a novelty. And by 2012, <laughs> it had kind of worn off. We know off. you. Yeah. yeah. Excellent point. Yeah. N he was not not Hillary and 24, 25 others are not Hillary, so it gets a lot more interesting. All right, still to come on Hancock and Kelly, taking political correctness to a whole new level. 
We'll debate that decision to remove words manhole and fireman from the language in Berkeley, California. Let's do a little news potpourri here on your Sunday morning. We're going to start in Berkeley, California. The terms manpower, man-made, anything man is going to cease to exist as that liberal city aims to make the language it uses more inclusive. The city council this week to prove replacing about 40 gender-specific words in the city code with gender-neutral terms. This fall, manholes right there, uh-uh, that's gone. Those are maintenance holes, and things made by hand will be dubbed human-made, not man-made. That guy, by the way, agreed. Some residents find the move laughable, others uh, suggesting that we need to focus on issues that really matter, like homelessness. One person interviewed this week in California says, this is the kind of stuff that drives people away from the Democratic brand. We're debating something that absolutely will not move the needle. All right. You're up first, Michael uh, Kelly. This is something I don't care about. I mean, I don't get it. Uh, I don't think anybody thinks if you say a manhole that you're being discriminatory to women or a firefighter that you're talking about a, a man only. Whatever. Whatever they want to do in Berkeley, they ought to be able to do. My question is, is... Can we still call the amount of horsepower you have in a car horsepower? Are we discriminating against horses? Discriminating of a lot of things. We've lost our minds when it comes to political correctness. Yeah, well, and I think this is example number one, exhibit A, as to why Donald Trump is able to appeal to so many of the cultural conservatives. I mean, they just see this nonsense and they say, when will it end? All right, millions of Americans have cut the cord. You guys cut the cord yet? I have. Cable, satellite, cable. You guys, neither one of you guys has. Cable or satellite? I have DirecTV now, so I can okay. get Fox 2 local, but uh, I don't have cable or over the... All right, there may air. be a lot of signs that people aren't happy with the outcome once they cut the cable and start putting all these pieces together. Take, for example, this week, Netflix. The company says it lost 126,000 subscribers in the U.S. alone, and their growth seems to have slowed, according to some Wall Street analysts. One analyst says the price hikes are causing some subscribers to think whether they want to pay the increased monthly rate Many now realizing they're paying more for all these different streaming services with more hassle than when they had cable or satellite. All right, Jonathan, you're up on this one first. You've cut the cord. Are you happy that you've cut the cord, or is it now a hassle? Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm very happy uh, until I see the bill from, you know, Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime see? and the whole nine yards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I think, you know, so I'm not a business analyst. Uh, I like to talk politics. I'm very interested. Um, you know, Netflix uh, suggested that they were going to boycott Georgia over the pro-life law earlier this spring. Um, hmm. Some conservatives said that they, in turn, were going to boycott Netflix. And, you know, a lot of times that, that, doesn't, that doesn't make much of an impact, but the pro-life cause has some muscle, and I'd be interested to see if any of those so, numbers were conservative. I think we're in the next evolution of the business model, right? First, we used to buy cable, and you got all the channels that came with it and now we're getting it over the internet, and then you can pick and choose. I think eventually I'm going to be able to say, I want to buy Fox 2. I want to buy ESPN. Yep. I want to buy MSNBC. That's you know where I'd you, like to go. You know why you can't? Why? Government regulation. Oh, there you go. Well, in my case, my brother keeps telling me, you, you have to do it. you got you got to cut it, because ours is, I don't know, several hundred dollars, right? And so I'm down at his house, and he's like, yeah, so I have... I mean, name Hulu, Netflix, sports. Yeah, if you do this, if you hold this up... Bounce a reflective thing over here and then use this remote on this one. Oh, it's, it's, it's trying to dial up again. To me, it's not, it's not worth, it's worth a little extra money. Is that your mirror, Brown? Yeah, well, <laughs> mine are Sandy Miller's, one of the two. 
But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you have all this. Like, at some point, I don't mind paying a little extra money to not have to deal with that. I'm, I'm with you. Okay, gotcha. I want to make sure I'm not, but not the only for one. For goodness sake, give me my Cardinal games. That's the most important right? thing. Right, let's talk about that. Two upcoming Cardinal games. Not going to be on TV. That's because... They're moving to the web once again. You're going to see the games on YouTube instead of Fox Sports Midwest. Michael, this goes back to what we were talking about. They're trying to get these younger viewers. I don't know if this is a good idea. The older people hate it. I hate it. Maybe I'm older. I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it. Uh, it's, I want to be able to watch my Cardinals when I buy it and, you know, put them on. This is where Major League Baseball screws up and doesn't follow the NFL. The NFL says, okay, fine, we're going to throw some things on Facebook and Twitter, but we're also going to put them on the television networks. Why are you depriving the good people of St. Louis of it? Right. Do it to Cleveland or some city who doesn't watch our team. <laughs> we all actually watch here. All right, final thoughts coming up next here on Hancock and Kelly. It is time for final thoughts here on Hancock and Kelly. Jonathan Prouty, he's up first. What you got today, final thought? 50 years ago this weekend, uh, man walked out on, on the moon. It was a time of, of great division for this country uh, in the midst of the Civil War, the, the, the Vietnam War, uh, the Cold War. Uh, today, uh, still deeply divided as a country, not a lot uh, to talk about, point to that's, that's really positive, that unites us. Uh, but I think it's an important reminder that when we put aside our differences and, and we think big, we can, we can do amazing things. It's fun seeing all that stuff this week. Michael Kelly, you're Was it first. Kennedy who came up with the idea to go to the moon? What did Democrats He'd be a Republican ideas. today. Uh, he'd be a Republican today. All right, uh, my final thought is related to our friend John Hancock. This is the second time this year he's been on vacation and the second time he's gone to California. Now, this guy claims to be a Republican, uh, but he's going to the liberal bastion of our country. Hmm. Let's just say he's not staying in a man cave in California, <laughs> right? Is he in Berkeley? What's he doing out no, there? He's in L.A. for a family wedding. Oh, okay. Second family wedding in a year. Wow. This guy's got a lot of family getting married. Oh, yeah, it gets expensive. He'll do anything for a free meal. Right? I would. Hey, thanks for watching Hancock & Kelly. Jonathan, great to have you here today once again. If you missed any part of the show, download it there on your smartphone. Search out Hancock or Kelly. Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace is next, and we'll see you back here next Sunday.